Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tejos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays, when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. If you like what we do, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your chosen podcast app, as this really helps more people discover the show. Thank you for being with us, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another webinar by Smart Karma. I'm Valerie, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming analyst Henry Suryarko, who will be taking us through his latest stock picks in the ASEAN region and offer his outlook for the second half of 2022. Henry, I hope I've said your last name right. Suryarko? Yes, you have done wonderful on that. Uh, <laughs> not many people can pronounce it uh, right, but you've got it spot on. So thank you very much, Valerie. Henry is a long and short investment ideas generator for Asian equities with 10 years of experience in a hedge fund focused on bottom-up ideas. He also provides on-the-ground insights in various Asian markets with a sway towards ASEAN. Before we start, a bit of standard housekeeping. As always, please feel free to send in your questions for Henry throughout the webinar using the Q&A button on your Zoom app, and we will do our best to get to them during the Q&A section. Please do not reshare the contents of this webinar without express permission. A recording will be available afterwards on the registration page and will be sent to all attendees. And with that, Henry, thank you so much for being with us today. The floor is yours. Thank you so much, Valerie. First and foremost, thank you very much, everyone who have registered for this webinar. And hopefully you'll have some meaningful takeaways after the call. So uh, today we'll discuss about ASEAN and themes besides reopening. What else, right? And on the stock pick, we can discuss about MyEG, Far East Hospitality Trust, Bluebird, and Platinum. The last three is related to reopening and others. MyEG is not exactly related to reopening, although some might say it actually losing from the reopening play. Now, why ASEAN? People have always been debating the lack of Chinese tourists in ASEAN has caused the rebound to be slower, right, uh, compared to US and Europe. But is that really true? And what about the cross-borders uh, tourism from the ASEAN tourists themselves, right? And the longer-term trend in ASEAN is always focused on the younger demographic and a rising middle income, which encourages a lot of foreign investors to see ASEAN as a consumer play, right? And that would mean you invest in a very long horizon between 10 to 20 years investment horizon. Number three is that actually a lot of what's, what's very exciting in ASEAN these days is digitalization. We've seen the rise of the increasing ownership of smartphones, which was done through, through Arajaya, Indonesia, and, and the others. We've seen it in the private investment, right, in Bukalapak, in Tokopedia, right? But one thing that is still happening for uh, ASEAN stocks is that there's still lack of broker coverage, right? Typically, brokers only cover the large caps. For Indonesia, they will only cover the banks, the property developer companies, to certain, and maybe in, in Singapore as well, right? In Thailand, they'll only cover, um, for example, in tourism, they'll only cover AOT, right? But still, there's not enough research coverage to cover ASEAN, right? So let's go to the first company. So I've written about MyG a couple of times, starting after the change of regime in Malaysia, which saw uh, MyEG share price 
went down in about, I think, 35% within a few days or a week, right? Citing that MyEG has a very close relationship with the previous prime minister, which is debatable, right? A couple of pictures with them playing golf together uh, may or may not indicate certain things. But what is certain is that MyEG helps or provides service to the Malaysian government in terms of digital digitalization in the country. And they started with basically providing workers' permit application uh, or reapplication, renewal of the workers' permit in Malaysia, right? Rather than going through the immigration office or the Ministry of Manpower's office, you can actually do it on your smartphone, right? Which saves a lot of time. And how do they make money on this? They would actually upsell you some insurance along the way, right? So they don't make money on your workers' permit reapplication. Well, you may have some token about it just to cover some costs. The way they make money is almost like any other internet companies through advertisement, right? So they're basically an online brokerage, right? Um, only for a couple of these um, online application permit. And um, during COVID-19, they somewhat pivoted away from that because obviously there's no construction work being done. There's hardly any, any new influx of workers, right? In fact, some of these workers has to be sent home because of the COVID-19 situation. So what they did during COVID-19 is to provide mass testing service, right? This is to ensure that they don't have a sharp uh, downfall in the revenue, right? Now, but investors seem to forgot about the about MyEG's core competencies. So they sold off the share price because they thought that, look, after COVID ended, MyEG earnings, right, is going to decrease a lot and may not recover, right? Because I'm not sure about um, some of you, uh, whether you have traveled to Malaysia recently or not. I did a layover in Malaysia and we still have to show our vaccination status. But I think uh, since a couple of days ago or even two days ago, the government updated the new requirement that you don't need to um, uh, show your uh, vaccination status anymore, right? So I think the reopening to a certain extent take some business away from MyG, but it also brings them back to the core competencies, right? So with the reopening, there will be resumptions of projects. That means more foreign workers, right? And with, with the higher mobility, that means people drive around on the streets again. That means more driver license renewal, right? That means more volume will be processed online. There'll be more opportunities for upselling. And the share price is down 20% uh, around six months, I think, and around minus 27% year to date, despite the reopening, right? So people really somewhat forgot about MyG core competencies, right? Now we have their profit, gross profit margin decreased by 10% during COVID, right? And because that's actually um, a testament to how good their business was, right, pre-COVID, because essentially it's, it's an internet business, right? It's low in fixed assets, that means ROE is very high. So what do we think, right? Um, I think we should expect more volumes and more revenues from the reopening. Now, these are the, the popular service of MyEG, right? So essentially, it's a lot of foreign worker permit renewal uh, helpers, right? Uh, you can even check your summons if you cross your a red light in, in, in Malaysia. You can renew your driver license, right? And what do they do uh, with all this when you are MyEG customers? They will have the opportunity to upsell you certain service. 
for example, insurance for your car, health and accident insurance for the uh, foreign worker, right? Insurance for your uh, helper. So there's a lot of things uh, they can do, even when you pay for your zakat, which is your, I think it's similar to your donation, love offering or tithe, they might be able to offer you some Islamic investment product as well, right? So the opportunity for them is quite unlimited, right? And I recall in just pre-COVID, they actually expanded to Indonesia and to Philippines offering a system where all these FNBs operators will be obliged to register their transactions, right? And this was mandated in Indonesia, I remember, was by the Jakarta regional government, right? Why, why the government wants this? They want to ensure that all these FNB operators will pay tax on the number of revenue they generate rather than you know, coming up with the numbers up in the air. So that's my EG for you. And if you look at the share price since um, May 2018, where they have a sharp fall, if you buy it right then, right, the business recovered along the way, chugging along, where you have made more than a double investment uh, by early stage of June 2021 or early stage of 2021, right? But still, you still make money, right? So I think MyEG is a very interesting play, very unique company in the digitalization of ASEAN, uh, Malaysia in particular. This is not exactly a consumer play, but this is some, something very different, I think. And the other thing that we want to look at is Far East Hospitality Trust, right? Where it's a pure play in the Singapore reopening play with, with a lot of tourists, right? With uh, almost 70% of revenues coming from hotel. Interestingly, if we see what's going on with the hotel in Singapore, you would have seen the number of tourists coming back up again, right? And you will see that even for a Far East Hospitality Trust Hotel, notably uh, some hotels in Norchard, including Rendezvous Hotel in Dobigod area in Plaza Singapore area, the, the average daily rate has gone up by $32 from 66, which is quite a healthy increase of 50%. Uh, although last year was only 74. And then this was the $66 was the first half of last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this year, the average daily rate would have gone uh, beyond 100 and as a result, the revenue per available room uh, has gone up by 31%. And similarly, for service residents, the average occupancy increase, daily rate also increase, the, uh, the ref par also increase. Bear in mind that majority of the assets, right, I think it's still under the government contracts for quarantine, which means your average daily rate is not optimized. But as the travels are coming back, and leisure portion uh, went up from 15 to 28% in the first half of this year compared to last year. We should expect the average daily rate that will hit above 100 or maybe even 110, 120, right? That is not totally impossible. And given the, um, because the moment you're freed up from the government contracts, the average occupancy rate will also increase. So what happened with the share price? The share price has rallied a little bit, right? But I think it could be better, right? It could easily reach around, you know, uh, 70 cents or 75 cents, uh, similarly prior to COVID. And the dividends per unit will also increase, right? The dividend per unit is not exactly a function of a fixed amount per year, but right? Uh, but I think we all need to be reminded that if, with the rate structure in Singapore, it's, the rates are is obliged to pay out majority of its earnings in dividend per year, right? So... Therefore, it could be very interesting play for investors who like tourism play in Singapore. 
with a lot of tourists coming back, right? And somehow uh, you will get a dividend on this more often than the others. And the other one is the Bluebird, the taxi companies in Indonesia. A lot of people have been doubtful about Bluebird in general because they always think that, you know, with the uh, existence of Gojek and Grab, all the conventional taxi will never recoup its privileged status before, right? But Bluebird has actually pivoted away from being just a physical taxi company, right? They have actually have done a lot of effort into creating online presence, right? So if you look at Lazada Indonesia, Shopping Indonesia, uh, you can actually book Bluebird Taxi from there. I bet they have some revenue sharings with this e-commerce platform. I think it gives consumers ease of booking, right? Um, ease of access. And similarly, if you go to BCA, right? This is Bank BCA um, online banking platform. You can also book Bluebird from there. Now, what happened with Bluebird during the last one year, right? Obviously, uh, during COVID, nobody nobody goes around. The share price actually suffered, right? But revenue recently, the recent first half data, um, saw its revenue went up by 50%, right? It finally turned back into profit. Pre-tax profit margin, still very low, went up from 0.5% to 2.3%. It's still very low. Uh, it has a long way to go. It's not too late. You can see the taxi rental increased by 50%. Right, even the private vehicle rental service income went up by forty-five percent. Right, although the the contribution from the latter is still very small. Now, Bluebird is still trading below book value. So, I think if investors like some mobility play in Indonesia, probably Bluebird is the answer to this. Now, this is what happened with the share price during COVID. Right, that's another factor that I think people should look at Bluebird is that typically in the airports in Indonesia, there's not much conventional taxi are allowed, right? They have this notion that it's going to be the airport taxi, which will charge you arms and legs, right? Recently, I went home, um, I was telling Valerie's about where I'm from in Indonesia, and it was somewhere in Surabaya. And I have no option to take the taxi than the airport taxis, which cost me you know, 150,000 uh, rupiah, right? Which is equivalent to around 14.5 or 15 sing dollars, uh, which is not much, but you know, you want some options, right? And if it were up to me, I would go for Bluebird. Jakarta Airport already have a Bluebird in the taxi stops, right? But there's still a lot of airports in Indonesia that are not opened for conventional taxis. Many of them, including in Batam, for example, you cannot take a Bluebird or Gojek out within the airport. For example, when I went to Batam to see PT Satnusa, the uh, assembler for uh, Xiaomi in Indonesia, I had to get out the immigration at the platform. And uh, rather than taking a taxi there, I had to walk across the street just to make sure I get picked up by my Gojek. But that will change in a medium to longer run, right? And who do we see is going to benefit from the deregulation of the airport in Indonesia? It will be Bluebird. In Thailand, when people uh, talk about tourism, they always talk about uh, airport of Thailand because it's probably the easiest play, right? The more tourists uh, come to Thailand, the more revenue they're going to make, right? It's very easy. I went to Thailand two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. It's bustling. The Thai tourism story is back. They still need the Chinese tourists, but we've seen all sorts of tourists there. Uh, we've seen a lot of Singaporean, a lot of Malaysians. Uh, we've seen a lot of Europeans already. So the Platinum Group is in Rajadevi Street. Uh, if you want to have shopping experience for basically clothes that you normally purchase in Singapore or in Hong Kong for like, you know, $20 per piece, if you go to the Platinum Mall, you probably only pay 25% uh, of that.
it's very popular with a lot of Asian tourists. Now, recently, when I went there, it's very popular with uh, Middle Eastern tourists as well. We still, obviously, so I went, I went up and down the four or five stories, right? Up three and then down uh, one or two, where they sell basically everything, right? So the occupancy rate for uh, the Platinum Mall is quite good. It's still not as much as pre-COVID. Maybe within the floor, there are, I think, three or four units that is um, empty. And some of them uh, shut early, right? By 8 p.m., they're already shut, indicating still not enough tourists, right? But nevertheless, I think the Thai tourism story is back. And where do they go for affordable shopping? They will go to Platinum Mall. Besides that, the company also planning to open a resort. That's with IHG Hotels and Resort. This is planned to be open by next quarter. If there's a delay, there might be in the fourth quarter. Um, of course, there are still some time for this project to recoup their investment. Nevertheless, it's going to be another revenue stream for them. The company is still loss making as of the first quarter 2022, but I think the loss narrowed by around 7 million baht, which is not much, but nevertheless, it's improving. The good news is that share price has rallied. Airport of Thailand share price never really gone down because the Thai Ministry of Finance is the uh, major shareholder. The good thing is if you invest in AOT, you never really experience the shock, but you can't exactly buy it right now either because uh, the share price never really go down. Having said that, platinum share price is still quite cheap, right? It's still trading at 3.2 baht when previously, pre-COVID, it was trading between 4 to 6 baht, right? So I think for people who believe in the reopening story of Thai tourism, uh, believing in that people actually will come back, we're not talking about the higher echelon of tourists, but we're talking about the average tourists, right? This will actually make, make some sense. So that's it from me, Valerie. Uh, please let me know if there's any questions that we can discuss along the way. Thank you so much, Henry, for that presentation. As mentioned before, you can now send in your questions for our speaker using the Q&A button on your Zoom app so you can answer them during this section. Perhaps I can start it off uh, with a question on my side. So with Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan today, how do you think this will affect stocks in the ASEAN region? That's a very interesting question. I think it, it will likely affect the Chinese stocks, uh, Hong Kong and China stocks, rather than anything else. Nevertheless, we're all somewhat coupled toward each other. It might have some extra shocks because any tensions between China and the US, it could really decouple whatever relief rally or bear market rally, whatever people say, or the reopening rally. So far, uh, from last night until now, we haven't seen massive uh, negative reaction yet, although I'm quite pessimistic because I think the visit was really, really not welcome. Nevertheless, um, Nancy Pelosi chose to push through with the visit to prove a point, to make a stand on where America is. It might be nothing, it might be something, but I think we just have to be careful with this because I think any slight movement or slight uh, deviation from the scripted scenario that investor thing could create further shocks and increase volatility. If I were running a book right now, I would say, you know, you should book some of your profits, right? And keep some in cash. If need be, um, you buy some VIX ETF. I think for ASEAN, I don't think any of the stocks that I mentioned uh, will get a negative impact considering they're not China focused. They're more domestic stories, but we might see some adverse reaction from investors. Thank you so much for that, Henry. Great answer. And we do have one more question 
for your top picks, you did not include GoTo, which is the merged company of Tokopedia yes. and Gojek. Why so? And do you have any views on that? Well, I, I, I don't really follow uh, Gojek and Tokopedia per se, because I think there's already a lot of coverage on this. So I don't think I would make an additional value for investors or for the viewers when we speak about Gojek and Tokopedia because it's so widely discussed, right? And people talk about Gojek as a transport play, but it's more than transport play, right? It's very similar to Grab. The merger between Gojek and Tokopedia make a very unique company with a lot of offering, with a lot of growth potential, right? I think it's fair to say that if you are very long-term investors, there's not much not to like about a go-to. And I think some people mentioned about the amount of cash that they have in the balance sheet, which is big, right? And that means even if they burn a lot of cash on the customer acquisition or keep increasing market share, then it wouldn't be that difficult for them either, right? Whereas a lot of the smaller peers will be pushed out and to a certain extent marginalized uh, because they don't have that many cash in their balance sheets. And at some point, their valuation will topple off. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, going back to all of your top picks, and some of them are very familiar to me, especially Platinum Group. I personally <laughs> have been to Bangkok a lot, and I can concur. Uh, Singaporean tourists love Platinum Mall. It's definitely one of the hotspots that we usually frequent. And, you know, for the top picks that you've chosen, a lot of them have to rely and depend on the reopening of countries to tourism. So what are some of the key risks to that? Well, the key risk is happening, has happened for the last two years and now, right? The key risk is that the Chinese tourists are not here. The key risk is that there's not enough cross-border travel, which means, you know, uh, when was the last time you travel uh, until recently? For me, it was two and a half years before I travel again, right? So during that period, those are the risky period. And, you know, some people might say the Chinese will only start opening up their gateway by mid next year or early next year. That's fine. But at some point, they all need to get out. So if you're a patient investor, which I believe everyone is, one another 12 months uh, while you are buying some of these stocks that are trading below book value, it's not exactly um, a bad idea. You know the, the bad stuff or the ne- negativity is coming from one source only, right? Yes, you might have some of the unnecessarily rough Russia-Ukraine uh, tension and Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan certainly did not help either. Nevertheless, the show must go on. So, you know, we should expect if you're patient investors, yeah, there's nothing not to like about this. It's probably an opportunity in a lifetime, right? When else are you buying Bluebird uh, Platinum Group like, you know, at this price? Thank you so much, Henry. And that is our final question for today. So I shall close the webinar. So thank you so much for your time today, Henry, and thank you all for attending. If you wish to keep track of Henry's work, I recommend following his profile on Smart Karma so you never miss any of his insights. Please note that Henry is also available for bespoke research requests or premium services. So if you wish to engage him for that, please contact your Smart Karma account manager and we will get that sorted for you. If you have any other questions or comments, please email us at research at smartkarma.com. And that is our webinar. Once again, thank you, Henry, for your time and goodbye. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you all and bye. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please share it with your networks. Subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss an episode. 
and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening and see you next time.